0: Welcome to podcast number 9 for Thanks for Your Service. I'm David Hall. Thanks for Your Service is a news and information resource and its focus is on historical topics relating to the Australian Defence Force. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter. Just search for Thanks for Your Service. Our website is www.thanksforyourservice.net. You can also email us at info at thanksforyourservice.net. In this podcast, for this past week that we commemorated Anzac Day 2018, we're going to hear a personal story about my grandfather who landed at Gallipoli in April of 1915. I had the pleasure of taking my father, Jeff Hall, to Gallipoli to see where his father had landed some 103 years ago. So, Charles was born in Victoria and he was born a Hall, a H A L L L.
1: Father died young? Yes. And then his mother remarried a hat. Right. I and mean, he took on the hat name for, for, I guess, a matter of convenience, if nothing else, until he married mum and a couple of uh, <laughs> your grandmother, yeah. Uh, she didn't, you know, being a milliner, she hated hats. <laughs> so he wanted it, Chat reverted back to Hall.
0: So, but he, he enlisted in the first AIF uh, in Victoria as Charles Harold Hatt. Uh, I think yes, that he... as I understand. At the age of around twenty, and he was a yes, letter. Yes, he was
1: about twenty years of age. He was fairly low on the, in the um, registration numbers, as you'll note. Um,
0: yeah, his his army number was nine one one, and he was a letter carrier right. by by occupation. Yeah,
1: by that's that's right. Yes, yes, he was.
0: So we know um, he went. We know that he went off to uh, Broadmeadows and uh, underdid his training. And I think it was August nineteen fourteen.
1: That's right. They uh, they they stayed a little bit. I think they the the, the convoy formed up um, at Albany in the Big Bay there, and he went to Egypt, and uh, that's where they uh, and then uh, they they went on from Egypt to to Gallipoli. Well, manhandling the big gun up the slope off the beach.
0: Yep, yep, and and that and that was up Plug's Plateau, I think. Um, yeah, now...
1: right, yes, that's where they put it. And then they found, of course, the problem there was that they were a long-range field gun where they should have had a mortar. They couldn't uh, get the uh, elevation. You know, they had to dig in the, what do you call it, the end piece (laughs) to try and get the elevation because they were actually shooting into the hill rather than over it and lobbing. So that was another stuff up too, you know.
0: Now, according to to his own postcard back to his brother, so he was on Gallipoli on Monday the 26th of April. Uh, It was then Tuesday the 26th. Seventh, because the uh, the landing, the 25th of April was a Sunday, and he was shot uh, in the chest on the very early morning of the Wednesday. And according to his uh, his his own writing, he was taken down to the beach, probably the first Australian casualty clearing section down on on Anzac yeah. Cove itself, and uh, yeah. where he where he lay there for about five and a half six hours. We went down there, it was a quite a, a sunny, um, mild, a little bit chilly day when we got down to Gallipoli. We were with a very small tour group of about 8 to 10 people with our own guide. We went across to Anzac Cove. Now, what, what were your first impressions of Anzac Cove and what were you expecting well, before you got uh, there? I,
1: my, my first impressions were of the relatively small area of land in which uh, the battles were fought. Um, and the and then when we got a bit closer to uh, Gallipoli, remember we saw that old uh, t- um, German gun emplacement sort of on the beach there, that yep. concrete gun emplacement. And then we went across, went further down the track, and uh, the thought, well, there was. I thought the the steepness of the terrain, you know, uh, and how the hell they landed them there, and having to fight your way uphill wasn't the smartest idea, obviously. I mean, it it comes home to you when you physically see these places. But but two things, I guess, about this is, one is that uh, in a short order, the relatively small area of land over which the battles were fought and the precipitous terrain and the people having to fight up and then also dig their trenches, you know, there was just a maze of... Of, you know, interconnecting trenches and things and um, I guess the closest to the Turks in many instances too.
0: So we also, so I think some of the visits we went to is that we went to the, to it's now a cemetery, I think the First Australian Casualty Clearing section which was down on the beach of Anzac Cove itself. So we know that Charles uh, on a stretcher and, and he says himself... Yep. Laid there for about five and a half hours before they yes, that's, before that's they true. moved yes, and, uh, and treated fine, him, etc. And then yeah. we also went around to the northern end of Anzac Cove, where there is that photo of the troops manhandling uh, the artillery piece up what we think was yeah. Plugs Plateau. So we Plugs, found that area Plateau, as well. Yeah.
1: That's correct. And the and and where you get your bearings was on the Sphinx, wasn't it? That uh, remember you looked up on the hill and you could quickly find out. We were by that that uh, yep. stood out very much, and it looked like the Sphinx, and it, it was a great landmark, really. And as as was pointed out, that of course we were in shrubbery that probably ranged from three to six feet. But uh, at the time of Gallipoli, of course, what uh, the low scrub had been pretty much knocked out. It was very barren by comparison to when we saw it. And uh, the other, the other overwhelming feeling. I, I was amazed at the at the number of small cemeteries. You know that that uh, were strewn. We know about the larger ones, but there was an awful lot of you know smaller uh, cemeteries around the place. We uh, we saw Simpson the Donkey Man. You know that his his um, Grave site, pretty much on the beach.
0: So that so that initial climb that we made was from the beach up, up to Plugs Plateau. Yeah. So that was the first yeah. steep climb that the uh, that the Anzacs experienced um, yeah. when, when when they landed. And then from up up Plugs Plateau, then you had a good look over places like Shrapnel Galley, uh, Gully you could look across at Lone Pine so we 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 yeah. climbed that and it was pretty steep um and obviously we weren't carrying packs or under fire so we know that uh, also so after after leaving Gallipoli and being m- medically evacuated off Gallipoli uh, Charles mm-hmm. went uh back to the UK for That's
1: right. yeah. for
0: his medical treatment he he never saw service yeah, was, again uh, he was repatriated back uh, to Australia yeah. in about October 1915
1: yeah, asthmatically unfit, and I think the only other bit of interest there, and to, to his dying day, you know, he uh, still carried the Turkish bullet in him. They, uh, they couldn't operate in those days because it was too close to the heart, so they didn't have the techniques. So they just left the, uh, the slug in him.
0: Something that you've always said to me is that uh, he, he never really talked about the war to you, did he?
1: Never, ever talked about the war, never, no. I cannot remember any discussion whatsoever but uh, as I said I, I also never remember him as a well man too he uh, he had good days and bad days um, throughout his life
0: and then uh, and then he died in uh, 1966 and he's buried at yep. Woden Cemetery in Canberra there's a mystery that despite all our research we've never been able to solve is that we have a photo of him with sergeant stripes on we don't yes. know we, we we don't know the exact date when it was taken we think it could either be militia related uh he was enlisted as a gunner in the artillery uh, when he enlisted in the first aif
1: i think it must have been before he went overseas because he looked pretty fit and well then he was certainly it wasn't after the event it was before the event yeah so yes. look yeah look it is a mystery it is a, it's just a strange one and uh, you know, there's no, and, and I can vouch for the uniform and everything because as a kid, I, gee, I, I wish to hell we knew where that had gotten to. I can still see the brown trunk. I can see his jacket, you know, the big tweed jacket, and it did have the three stripes on it. He had his jodfers. He had the uh, the le- leather leggings. And uh, he had it was a slouch hat and just what became of that. I wish I knew...
0: My grandfather was born Charles Harold Hall in Hawthorne, Victoria on the 13th of March, 1894. At the age of 20, on the 15th of August, 1914, he enlisted into the 2nd Field Artillery Brigade, 4th Battery. He was enlisted as a gunner with Army No. 911. He had seen previous military service in the militia with two years in the infantry and was serving in a militia artillery unit at the time that he enlisted. He enlisted with the surname Hat, H A T, his stepfather's surname. His father was a Hall. The name changes will become clearer as we progress through this podcast. Four days after enlistment, Harold joined some 2,500 men who marched from central Melbourne to Broadmeadows Army Camp for training. After training with his unit, he embarked on His Majesty's Australian Transport, HMAT, the Shropshire, on 20th of October 1914 from Melbourne bound for Albany in Western Australia. The HMAT Shropshire arrived in Alexandria in Egypt on the 4th of December 1914. The troops left for Mina camp in Cairo adjacent to the Great Pyramids of Giza. By mid-April the unit had been shipped from Egypt to Lemnos in preparation for the landing at Anzac. The unit war diary reads 25th of April 1915 Left Lemnos at 1 a.m. and arrived about 8 a.m. off disembarkation point north of kapatep Anzac Cove, 3.30 p.m. Portion of headquarters and one subsection, 4th battery with 12 horses, one gun and two wagons landed. Gun in position by 6 p.m. and fired few rounds in direction from which enemy shells were coming. 26th of April 1915 four more guns two from fourth battery and two from fifth battery landed and placed in position as per plan attached during day fire was brought to bear in direction from which shells were coming but there was little observation harold landed at anzac cove on monday the 26th of april 1915 in september 1915 he later wrote of that experience in a postcard to his brother When we got our first gun ashore on Sunday afternoon 25th, the infantry on the beach took charge of it and said they would pull it anywhere. They had no artillery support until this gun opened fire late in the afternoon. We could not get any more ashore until Monday morning when I landed, on account of the snipers having control of the landing place. The fourth battery landed the first gun on the peninsula. I was there Monday and Tuesday, and I was hit Wednesday morning at 1.30am, and was on a stretcher on the beach for five and a half hours. I was one of the first to be brought down that morning and as others were brought along they were put next to me so that I was closed in and had to wait until the others were taken away. But anyway I would have had a two and a half hours wait. This is not very cheerful but you asked me for it. Harold had been shot in the chest and had been taken to the casualty clearing station on Anzac Beach. Harold's war record stated that he had received a gunshot wound off his right lung he was admitted to the hospital ship Galica, 1st of May 1915, he was transferred to England via Malta and admitted to the 2nd Western General Hospital, Manchester, the 5th of June 1915. He commenced his return to Australia from Plymouth in the United Kingdom on board the ship HT Suvik. They left 8th of October 1915, arriving in Melbourne on the 20th of November 1915, and he was discharged in Melbourne from the Australian Army 1st of April 1916. Charles Harold Hall died on the 7th of September 1966, aged 72. He's buried at Woden Cemetery in Canberra. You can find some more details of this story on our website and Facebook page. That's the podcast for today. We're keen to hear your feedback. That email again is info at or leave a comment on our Facebook page. And if you're listening to us via iTunes, please leave a review. Finally, if you are interested in sponsorship or support of this podcast, head to our website or email us. You can also support us via Patreon. The link is www.patreon.com. Thanks for your service. Thanks for listening. (coughs)